Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Magician Nelson Lugo. Hi, I'm nerdcore rapper Shafer the Dark Lord. We're best friends who hate each other's guts. And we co-host the Epic Podcast. A monthly show in which we discuss comic books, video games, television, movies, our debilitating emotional problems, and Batman. So much Batman. That's the Epic Podcast on the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Be safe, Internet. Bye. Seriously, so much Batman. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Network, geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. It contains content that may not be suitable for all ages. Listener discretion is advised. All Nerdy Show podcasts are made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. Discover the many ways you can join in at nerdyshow.com. Hey everybody, welcome back. Yo. It's going to be kind of a, a of a lean episode, lean and fast. This is it's just me and Josh in a sidecar coming down that lonely lonely highway. It's not so lonely because we have each other. The highway's lonely, we aren't. We are providing the highway with companionship. Uh okay, so we've got a few things I want to go over today. Um I kind of want to get into theory crafting a little bit and, right. and making sure that we stay on focus without uh scope creep because there's so much we want to add to this game and just build it up and it can be anything and everything, but if we, we haven't even added in sex mechanics, which I mean, I know Max has been pushing for it for the last, you know, 2 months. Specifically the pushing mechanic. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so if we get caught up on stuff like that, then the scope creep will outpace our game. So we're going to try to keep it narrow, keep it small until we have a completed product here. So probably a terrible segue for that is to talk about the world building for our game. Yes. Uh, Right now, we haven't given any attention towards languages as a mechanic in our Uh game. And they don't have to be complicated. I don't think there should be a complicated language mechanic. No. But we haven't even named one language at all. So I, I went to our map, which was, by the way, randomly generated... And I think we can just use that as a guide for for naming uh, things. So a goal we set early was that language shouldn't be racial. It should be regional yeah, or, which, or, or cultural if it's not regional, um, which makes more sense. And, you know, if you're going to go to a different area and trade with the people there, the languages they would know would be based on their travels, not on their race. Location, culture, religion. So we have an Akinosian Empire. Yes. And empires need a standardized language. Definitely. So because of the randomly generated giant map we have, Akinosh, we decided, is in the region of Jarnesia. Uh-huh. How about the Akinosh Empire speaks Jarnesian? I don't think so. No? No, I think it would, I think it would be Akinosh. My thought was the Akinosh Empire is too new, right? Because it, it, it started only 172 years uh-huh. ago. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Like maybe, maybe the city of Akinosh was a place and had been there. But, but it was in the Jarnesian area. Culturally. The region, yeah. Maybe not even a country, because uh, there could be countries that have different names, but this whole region is called Jarnesia, so they speak Jarnesian. I, I, how about just Jarnese? 
Jarnese. Whenever, yeah, whenever we can not use Ezean. Okay. Because we there's some words where you just kind of have to. If you can get that shortened, I think we should use it. So let's think about how languages shorten. The names of languages are shortened in English right now. Yeah. Spanish. So yes. jar, Jarnish. No. No. So it just doesn't work. China is chi- Chinese. Chinese. Um, Indonesia, but it's Indonesian. Russia is Russian. French? French. Hmm. France to French is yeah. a, it's a big jump, yeah. right? But that's because it's the France is the place of Franks. Yeah. Holland is Dutch. Yeah. So it's not even close. But the people there are Dutch. They are Dutch, yes. Like, so yeah, again, some of those countries are newer than the cultural establishments. That that's very true. Yeah. Well, um, okay. I kind of like Jarnese. Yeah. Like Chinese. Yeah. Jarnese. Jarnese. That's good. Let's look at other names of languages, because I've got a bunch of territories, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. The megalithic rod have to have their own. So the people is the Mara, uh-huh. who are the, who are the um, Marin is obviously very simple. Nice. I like it. Um, but I've got a bunch of cool named places, like uh, it's such a huge map. Mm-hmm. How common, well, like I, I think we need to talk about Chinese more. Okay. How common would it be for someone outside of the Akinosian Empire to know Chinese? I think it would be it would likely be uncommon unless it's a center of trade. Okay. Um, but if you meet somebody who is also, for instance, if you meet somebody who's a part of your culture, but they're also connected to the Akinosian Empire, it's their lingua franca. Uh-huh. Right. So I think maybe Jarnese is the lingua franca of this area. It's the language that that if people are doing business across line across territorial lines, they probably know Jarnese. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. How do we feel about that? Yeah. Okay. So I've got I've got some cool territory names, okay? Vruchenia. All right. Or Vruchenia, it's a CH. Sturzia. This one's really interesting. M T S E N, which I think you have to pronounce sen. Mhm. But it has a silent T and a silent M. Osalia, Sigia. Uh, who people from Sen would be who, what kind of people? I don't know. It, okay, so Sen is Cuz I think they would be Senchins. Senchins. That's true. Yeah. And then it, the language would be Senchin. Which, fuck, spell, I mean, okay, I, here's the problem with using, just the practical problem of writing it down Yes. in our book is that it's the most pres- presumptuous hipster name Yes. is that it has, it begins with a silent M and a silent T. Yep. M-T-S-E-N-I-A-N, yep. sentient, or Stevisenian. Um So you put a T on the end, T-I-A-N, sentient. Maybe. Let's put that down for maybe. All right. Th- th- there's a lot. I, of- I just like the way it... As soon as you know how it's pronounced, it feels really good. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of lingual baggage there. Well, I guess the one the, like one of my favorite lore wise, one of my favorite races in Vampire the Masquerade was the uh, Zemichi, mm-hmm. which people argue about how to pronounce that because it's like T Z. Oh, is that the 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 flesh sculptor? Yeah, one? yeah. The the Forgotten House. Are they forgotten? I know they're sabat. They're uh, yeah, the they're sabats. Sabat. There's a place called either Cheria or Caria. It's C H E R I A. I was saying you could think Carrion, that's fine. But but if you say Carrion aloud, people think uh, bottom fears. Yes. And if but if you say oh Karen, people think of yes. they need to talk to your manager. Um, there's Aconia, Laronia, Runium, which sounds like an element. Mepoikia. How close are these areas? Those areas are right next to each other. Okay, because I don't think all of them need their own language group. No, 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 they no. could no. be different kingdoms. Well, we could have even a small area. Yeah. That that the language is the dominant. Yeah. You know, 
uh, language of the area. Uh, well, that's what I'm, I'm kind of looking for. Is what we're going to do like what five or six? Let's, let's major languages. Let's do five. Okay. Let's just let's stick it to five. So we got one. Uh, I want to do five living languages, and then I want two dead ones. Can we do that? Absolutely. All right. I almost think Savathian should be counted as a dead one. I I think it should be a dead living language. Well, I don't think anybody speaks it anymore, right? Like, it, the language was lost the moment the doom happened. But, it, but it's still written. There's still yeah, books yeah, yeah. and books and books. But but it's like Latin. Yeah. Okay. So and, Well, and people know it, but scholars know it. Right. So the Mera, the Egyptian-esque megalithic rod, live in the territory of Lagos, uh-huh. L-A-G-U-S. I like I like that. Yeah. Um, we could we could say uh, well, there's like Tagalog is a language in Philippines, mm-hmm. but that's has nothing to do with the name of the Philippines. Um, we'd say uh, the Philippines are also named after King Philip. Let's see what something. What's the language of of Lagos? Because it has to. So we if we think of these people as a megalithic culture, mm-hmm. I feel like this is the one that the name should be related to the territory. Oh, I think opposite. It, it's old, way older than that. It's it's older than the yeah than the. The colloquial term for the for the space. Okay. I think that should be named after the culture. So it should be Marin? I think it should be Marin. Yeah. And the or, culture or, and the culture is spread outside of that area too. And that is now if if that's where it originated, that's just where it originated. Maybe maybe uh something with a prefix that's no longer used. Like like a uh, conmare, you know, and they're the Mera. Mm-hmm. Okay. Without, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Con conmare. It's languages, so the area, the, the Mera, the culture of the Mera, and the area of Lagos, a lot of people speak Conmer. Yeah. Okay. Including the, uh, the, no, the nomadic people. Yes. In that area would also speak Conmer. Yeah, we need, uh, so let's do, let's do two more regional, and then we'll do one kind of... Uh, where them guff. Let, Tell me where them guff at. Well, I was thinking, like, we could do one that's like a... Not a forgotten language, but one that's like specific to either professions or lifestyle. Yes, it's almost like a thieves can't. Something yeah, like that. Tezumia. Where, where are them guff city states at? That's a good question. So I don't. I don't so the Akinosian Empire. I'm going to show you the map because okay. it would be. So well, actually, it would be west. So if we if we think of this map as Asia, Jarnesia and the Akinosian Empire starts in the upper middle, okay. so the Midwest. Uh-huh. Actually, let's do America because most of our listeners are America. Mm-hmm. Israelion, that that the city that's in Leyliners, mm-hmm. would be like New Orleans, okay, right there. And then the Mera would be Atlanta. I thought to be close to the ocean. I'm trying to think because it's not exactly Florida. Uh-huh. So yeah. Yeah, they're as close to the, the ocean as you're thinking. But so if we go, we go. Let's just go to the west coast. Okay, right. We've got the territory of Dinwickia, Needlemont, which I think is just means tall, thin mountain. Yeah, right. Ormsden, Tonland. Sturgia, Vrukenia, and that's where we get to Sen. Mm-hmm. And what's this middle one here? Sigia and Osalia and Gumton. So how do you feel about Ormsden? It's huge. It's got a huge lake like the Everglades. Okay. But it's out west. Who lived there? Well, I think... Piro? No, I think the Guff. Oh. That's what I was thinking. Is that where you think the city-states are? Well, that's what you're saying out west, right? No, I saw them. They are, they are, the, they are literally next to the Akinoshin Empire. Oh, if they're literally next to the yeah, they are, they are. They could be in Gumton, but we can rename Gumton because yeah. I don't like that name. Post was the line between the Guff city-states and the Akinosian Empire. Here's Akinosian, here's Jarnesia, right, the whole territory. There's Gumton, but we've got Ormsden, which is the place with the... What's that little lake. green spot? It doesn't have a name. But above it is Karska and Rauda. I think the green one is the Guff city. The Guff city-states are three cities. 
Okay, so here, maybe? This coastal, they took over this coast? It's got to be internal and small. Okay, there's a town called Exfort. E-K-S. Oh, that's way smaller than I thought it was. Yeah, the, the, uh, what's that one? Rauda. Rauda. So R-A-U-D-A. Okay, the Guff city-states are in Rauda. Let me write that on it. And I figure, like, um, like Romans spoke Latin, they would have stolen a language. Well, let's, let's have them steal it from somewhere more west, then. Yeah. We've got Conmare, we've got Jarnese, Karskin. Karska is the area above Rauda. Korska, sorry. Populated by the Corsicans, who speak Kors. And the Guff City States have adopted Kors as their language. Okay. K-O-R-S-E? Sure. Okay. So Kors is the language. It's centered in Korska, and the Guff City States use it. And the Guff are the ones bringing it closer to Jarnesia. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, it's not, they don't interact in that way. So let's go, let's go out to this, this huge area. It's like the size of Brazil, except for it has a lake bigger than the Everglades. Sweet. I think Pira lived there. Yeah, I think probably near the lake, right? Yeah. So, so it's called Ormsden right now. I don't really like that name. All right. Maybe we can do... I really feel like Ormsden would be hilly and mountainous, not lakey. The whole map is featureless in terms of that. So we can add whatever we want. It just has a lake. So if we want to add mountains to this area, we can. This area, like by the way, this this area is so large, uh-huh. it can have deserts, That's true. rainforests, like it, it's so enormous. So we can call it. What if instead of being a, a soluble political entity, that's a no man's land of just like there's a lot of swamps there. We kind of had that with um, Gravor uh-huh. a little bit. I, I think I kind of like the idea um, of this huge area that's just a territory that. Is hard to keep, uh-huh. you know, kind of like Afghanistan, the East Russia, Afghanistan, half so, of Morocco. Well, let's think of a cool name for a language, and then we'll name the town, the, the place after it. Oh, I was thinking the place would be like, like literally, just like the wetlands or the over there, or that's not about it, or like Solomon's Reach. But it would also because it's so hard to traverse, it would they would there would be a major language group even amongst desperate people there because mm. they just have to talk to each other. You know what I like is that people refer to. Montana as big sky country. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can go that route. Pick a feature. The problem is big sky country is so good. Mm-hmm. Where if I start thinking of other features like mountains and stuff like that and naming the mountains, it makes it sound more ominous than it should yeah. feel. Like it's just it's just a huge area, like Alaska, you know? The frontier. Not something like no man's land or badlands. Um I seriously almost just want to call it the over there. Oh, they're from over there. Or like Westland. Like Oh, I like that. Westland? But L-U-D-N-L-U-N-D? Yeah, because it's to the west. And this might be too dumb. We might change this later. But Westland. There are places that are just named that. <laughs> we would never name a place Newfoundland. Ever. Never. Or New South Wales. So maybe maybe the Westland is a place that's so large, because it, it is enormous on this map. And it's just difficult to govern. It's composed of disparate watersheds. Mm-hmm. So it, it's hard to get them all working together. People there speak different dialects of think think of like almost a one word like chitter they speak chitter yeah like yiddish it's you know, it, like well, kind of and the the way it sounds is how people pronounce it mm-hmm. like barbarism and stuff like that <laughs> so he's just like yeah no they speak chitter and you're like why and he's like because it sounds chittery well, i think uh in that sense how about like something like rack tack <clears throat> you know like, well, they're but, very percussive yeah just rack tack they speak rack tack i like that Want to do that? Yeah. Just in Westland, they speak different versions of Rack Tech. Is that four? That's four. 
Now we need we a need five. Yeah, either either it's religious or it's no pertain to five, a lifestyle. Five cult. We said five regional. No, no, we said four regional. One okay. One non-regional. We could do Tectoni because mm-hmm. they would have their own yeah they particular could. language. Oh, we could do something Gelt. Okay, because they're litigious. They have they have a language that you could even make out some of the words, but mm-hmm. it is the structure of it that is insane. They speak legalese. Yeah. Something overly formal. Hmm. Hi. Hello. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> yeah, hi, yeah, yeah. Hi. No, I'm with you. Sendin? Thinking more actual descriptive. Like, when you... I, I want this. When you read the word, you understand the word. This, I think this one needs to be functional rather than flavorful. Mm-hmm. Like, its function is the flavor. So, like, high script or... Like, it literally could be called high flutin. <laughs> right. <laughs> And you'd be like, oh, I know, yeah, no, they're they're speaking highfalutin, an actual language, like dialects of of the of English, things like received pronunciation, you know, <laughs> something similar to that. Yeah, something that 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 feels functional and linguistic when you say it, like like literally something like even they speak procedural mm, or formal. Yeah, kind of like the word dictum. I was looking at pact. Ooh, okay, so or commission lexicon. Ooh, okay. Is what na- what is lex what is the prefix lex? It's a pro- okay, so lex is a proposition or motion for a law. Okay. Made to the people by a magistrate or a bill. A lex is one of those. So we could we could say um they speak lexlicit. <laughs> they speak lex lexlicitly. Um lexical? I like that. Just lexical. They yeah. speak lexical. Okay. Easy easy enough. And also I I do I like if you're a, if you're a lawman from a place where just guilt exists, you probably have to learn a little bit of it. Oh yeah, because because then somebody's like, "Excuse me," and they start speaking in lexical, and you're like, "I know that language. Don't try to fuck with me." Yeah, yeah, I, I know where you're going with this. And it, the language is purp- purposely designed to to win bargains. And a guilt contract, you need to guilt. <laughs> um, okay, so let's say so we have now one dead language, which mm-hmm. is Savathian. Savathian. Let's come up with one more. Maybe we can make it based on a region. Maybe maybe that's Sension. It's a very small area called Sent. Mm-hmm. There's ruins there, but it's nobody done. has anything idea. So, okay, so that's <laughs> for listeners who are going to be very annoyed, as annoyed as I would be, it would be spelled M-T-S-E-N-T-I-A-N. We're going to have fun with that later. Sension, yep. Okay. Languages. Done for now. That's enough to play with for a while. For sure. So in uh, Israelion, they speak primarily Jarnese and lexical. It's a trader city. Oh, wouldn't, wouldn't there be some um, Kalmar? Uh, Aren't yeah. they just Con- south? Conmare, yeah. Conmare? Yeah. No, I think there's a... Well, it would be everything there. That's a... Well, I'm just saying it's a, it's a recent... And it's a port city but it, nearby. Yeah, it's, but it's a recent acquisition by the Akinosian Empire, right? Mm-hmm. So before Akinosh, what would they have spoken? I think they still would have spoken Jarnesian. Okay. Or Jarnese because of the because the fact that it is a heavy trade city. And the roads all roads lead to Akinosh. <laughs> uh-huh. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think that works. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Let's move on. Let's talk about Battle Order. Okay. I think I want to mix it up a little bit because part of what we're doing with Battle Order, I feel, is contrived based on its relation to our experiences with D&D and Pathfinder. Okay. Namely, the fact that we use dexterity as the thing that determines it. Mm -hmm. And also it doesn't translate to the villains in the same way. And if it does, it shouldn't because, so if we've only got three people in our party, our battle order chance is lower for us yeah. to go first. And if the enemy has a million people who are unaware, their battle chance is exponentially higher every time. So instead I got, I got a couple, I'm a, I have a bunch of questions that we, we want to answer. Right. So should it be based on dexterity? Probably not. Yeah. How, how good you are and how quick you are physically it's not necessarily how quick you get into the battle. True, but that's definitely part of it. It's part of it. It's part of your ability to move once you notice something. Yes. But are we talking about, does does your turn in combat have to do with how quick your hands are, your feet are, or does it have to do with how quick you notice something? Both. That's a good answer. I, don't, I, I, I would have said notice. I would have said, like, awareness. You got to do both. If you have quick eyes and slow hands... You go last. If right. you have slow eyes and quick hands, you go last. So it shouldn't be cumulative. Like we shouldn't add things to determine if you're the person who would go first goes first. But I don't want to get into the initiative zigzag that Dungeons and Dragons gets into, right? Where each character rose, rolls their own initiative. Yes. It's based on dexterity. And then we zigzag across the table and nobody knows who's, whose turn it is except for the person tracking initiative. I think part of the flavor of what we're doing already... And I don't know if this is going to translate to all groups, but it feels like there is someone in charge. Mm -hmm. And the way that we sit around the table, battle order is is one side or the other. Mm -hmm. And that's just, you know, kind of chess rules, first move, mostly. Yes. That's what it really does. That's what it feels like. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I do too. Should it mainly be on then who is the commander? I don't know, because... You could think of a hundred ways where your commander's the last person to know, 
but the other people are acting before the commander jumps in. Okay. Right? It, yeah. It, 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 you could just think of that. But it's also a situation where, all right, I'm a mage, and I'm really smart. I am bringing down the team by having zero dexterity. <laughs> right, which is, it's not. That's you, which, not. Which, which in reality, fight by fight, other than turn order, that is absolutely not true. Yeah. You are not bringing them down no. the team. Um, but in that moment, in that mechanic, it feels like you are. Yeah. So it, It's going around the table and saying zero is not great. <laughs> so the truth of the matter is you're more likely to have either intellect or dexterity. Yeah, because those are both the two hit mechanics. So, But your dodge is based on the cumulative score of those plus 10. Yes. Hmm. What I was thinking is, could we instead... Well, okay, so my thought was, how about we average everybody's thing? Mm-hmm. Well, now you, you're you still do, having the problem of bringing down the group if you have low yes. in dexterity. And, and, and even harder, in a way, if yeah. you're averaging. Yeah. Well, probably about the same. Well, depending on what you're fighting is the problem. Yeah. Like, if you're fighting a lot of high dexterity small monsters who in no way would notice your presence first, it still doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. What if we could... What if level could play into it as well? I'm into that. A more seasoned team is more ready combat ready at all times yeah than someone less experienced now this this brings into a mechanic that we haven't addressed uh-huh. but in dungeons and dragons and pathfinder and, and these other games there are challenge ratings there are difficulty ratings mm-hmm. for these things and you could say the difficulty rating is usually relative to the level that you would face it at and in terms like that it's a very fair and reasonable thing if you were just to have them roll their challenge rating versus your your group's average level. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's that would make sense mechanically to everybody. The problem is we don't have something like a challenge rating. No. Um, we could fudge it for now until we do because GMs should use something like a challenge rating. I feel like that's closer to what we want in terms of initiative or battle order. We say, what's your average level? I feel like that's an easier question. Well, I still think stats should matter in that, though. I, I still think the the quick witted the quick you know mm-hmm. the the, but, re, but, the reflexive. But here's the problem: if we put somebody, let's say your tank, who you routinely want to go first, uh-huh. zero dex, yeah, zero int, okay, but they are going to go first every time. Yes, I don't think that's as reflective as experienced. If that makes sense, okay. like the fact that you the fact that you've leveled up together is increases your group experience now let's say i still i still think the group with the rogue in it mm-hmm. you know with the classical rogue with with the the quick-witted quick hands one that party still moves first even if someone else is kind of lumbering and slow because he would just go heads up see it's it's funny because I, I i understand why you're saying that and i think that's rooted in dungeons and dragons and nothing else i think if you go to the fiction version and the real life version that person is always waiting for an opening and takes most advantage later on. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. And I was also thinking, like, this should be a way to reward the group for taking a risk on leveling with lower momentum, if that makes sense. So we could we could level up, and you're like, okay, well, if I level up, it gets us to that plus three at the beginning of battle instead uh-huh. of what we were at. True, but then, one... And I, this is part of the reason why I like it. Losing battle order and winning battle order, mm-hmm. super minor. 
It is minor. Incredibly minor. But I think that's why... I like that. Yeah, no, I, I do as well. I do as well. Because uh, you could get just fucking steamrolled if you all roll poorly on initiative. It's true. I, I feel like there's there's a couple of strategies that we haven't explored, though. So normally we have our tank go first, which is yeah. not a dumb choice. It has worked out fairly well. And the reason why we always default to that, I think, is because we do not have an ice mage. Yeah. <laughs> if we that's had, true. If we had another controller... Yeah. Go first. We would have them go first as well. And neither of those things, I think, should have any bearing on why you're making that decision for the group in terms of who notices who gets to go first, I guess, if that makes sense. From like an awareness. So are we rolling for intellect? Are we rolling for dex? There's good reasons to, to vouch mm-hmm. for either. You add them together, we get kind of a milk toast thing. And then what, what from there? Are we averaging it among the group and then doing that? Because we don't want to make it cumulative because larger groups get a bonus over smaller groups yeah. and that generally wouldn't be true i i still need there to be a bonus that isn't related to peer level okay i i i, I need stats to matter even minorly just most of the time um how about okay what if we I, tie it I, I almost think it should be composure I think in specific cases you're correct. Let, let's let, let's throw around a different idea here, okay? Like I think I think I almost think the the internal dynamic of your group and how good you work together says when you like who's who who gets to line up their soldiers first and who gets to mobilize first. Let's let's the the concept of mobilization rather than than any single individual being ready. I agree, and I think. That has more to do with who goes, who your group chose to go, chooses to go first than anything else. So let's. How do you feel about this? Depending on what your core is, mm-hmm. each core gets a bonus based on a specific stat. Okay. That if they're the battle order leader, you add your level plus that that stat mm-hmm. to your battle order role. So, for instance, if you make your battle leader, which is the first person who goes goes first, and they are an ice mage, they add. In their core ice, they add their endurance right. to the role. If it's core citadel, endurance. If it's core champion, they add their strength. And you would routinely, as a group, make that kind of value judgment for who goes first in your group. So it's who goes first makes that judgment? Who goes first adds their primary stat okay. for their core All to right. your group's average level. That could work. Because that way you're like, well, I don't really, I don't like. I, I, I just went straight. I do want a caveat. Sure. And that's I think a passive bonus to your group, no matter who you are, if your command yeah. should exist. Totally agree. I, that was going to be literally the next All thing right. I brought up. Is that I think you, if got, you get you to go, you got command in there. He's yeah. just he's just lining shit up a little faster than you would without him. Yeah. If if command is your first person to go. They get a plus two. Oh, I don't. Just I don't. I don't even think they're if just they're, in your group. If they're just in your group, they yeah. Passively having someone who went down the step of command makes your whole party just just a little more cohesive, a little more communicative, a little more easy to snap into action. Do you want to add that to core? Yeah, I think it's so a super too. small thing small. that really doesn't matter. And more importantly, it that's a mechanic flavor thing. To add into it, and also anything we can do to core, core command, to mm-hmm. differentiate a little bit. Because I mean, take the shot is is really what command is, and that's step one. Well, here's what makes here's what makes that make the most sense for command is what's command's primary stat. 
I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Intellect, composure, strength, dexterity. I have no idea. It's not endurance. Like, you know, there there are things that are it's not. Yeah, exactly. That's it. So I I think we say command. It's let's let's pick intellect then for command for command. It's the core stat battle order. They get to add their intellect plus two. All right. That's it. Even if they're not the first. Good question. I, I think they should get, I think the way that we should word it is, plus two to party battle order if they exist in the party. I agree. If you fight without them, though. Yep. That's gone. I agree. Okay, you know, I like that. So, so but what do we what do we pick? Do we pick composure because it's inspiring or do we pick intellect because it's tactical? Um. Well, let's go through each path, okay? And we'll make a decision. Yeah. We'll save command, probably. I think I think we should I, generalize. I, I'm also not afraid of command being able to pick whichever is higher. Yeah. Specifically, again, specifically for them. If they for go being, first. But, but also for, yeah, if they go first. Yes. And if that's they the go only first, time you have to worry about yeah. it. If they go first, they get to pick their stat. Yeah. Well, let's deal with everybody else, okay? So, champion, I say strength. Yeah, done. Okay. Citadel, endurance. Done. Decay. Okay, let's, let's talk about the three mages. Mm-hmm. Decay, fire, ice. Maybe okay. we just go straight intellect for those three. Uh, that way, it just it, it's just like if you're a champion, you do strength. Decay, fire, ice. You do. I think it should be intelligence, endurance, strength for each of them. I don't know. Well, okay, because core fire, you get a bonus if you add your strength. Yes, but you should still be adding more intellect and composure than either of those. True. I think you should generally you should focus on chance to hit with either any of these classes. Oh, definitely. I, I think well let's let's treat it the way we we do for just for just for argument's sake here champion strength citadel endurance and let's say decay fire ice intellect because they're just cerebral classes right that's hard to hit yeah. paths yeah marksman and scoundrel dex yeah dexterity no Done. no argument there now we have radiance and zealotry I say composure Done. I feel like those work together. Those well. all work. Command you pick. And also, there there is some because some of them are damage stats or or armor stats. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of flexibility in there, but it's definitely not a dumb stat. No. So it always it always work, and it's also whoever goes first. I agree. So if it's based on whoever goes first, whoever's the, you know the top of your your lineup, mm-hmm. you get to decide. And if someone is a just a like, let's say you have a uh, champion build very little strength. Yeah, just not part of it. I'm not going first. Nope. You're there to you're there to knock people down afterwards. But if much like Gloomtown, we have Hoda. We're like, there's a good argument for Hoda <laughs> to running just, in there first, to just killing a person one like right yeah. off and just being like, okay, this is how this fight's gonna. Here's go. the first thing that happens is she runs in and whips people in the face with a hammer. I like that. Okay, so let's just stick with that for simple issues because the way that we handled the amount of HP you get for each of these stats. Mm-hmm. Now translates directly to, it translates in a way that that makes sense yeah. for for these. Okay, I love the idea that just having command in your group gives everybody just a bonus you. if it's core command. Yes. Okay, I think that's settled. Let's let's stick with that. Battle order is now going to change to your group's average level plus the plus your battle leader's primary stat. That's it. Plus potentially command bonus. Potentially, but let's let's yes. Th- th- we'll say mechanically, just as a concept, that's how it works. Command makes an exception for your whole group. Yes, if they're core command, yes. which is core command, is very powerful, but I feel like that's not obvious to people. No. 
the, the stratagem, the idea of its abilities to get set core, I think I think people will have a hard time valuing because they won't recognize it immediately. Splashing into command feels better. Yeah, it does, but it's not necessarily better. So I think what we'll close out on is um, when we first started talking about this game and we decided we we're going to do a hex grid or a grid of any kind. Mm-hmm. We had a we had a little bit of an argument about do we build this for a grid or do we build this for a theater of the mind? And we decided, uh, let's just do a grid so we know the rules make sense. I think we're at a point now where we've played it so much. I want to ask the question, what changes when we do theater of the mind? I think the way we use zones mm-hmm. is difficult or impossible to track in theater of the mind for everyone involved, especially if you're, like, if you're a decay player, mm-hmm. you're going to do that better. Um, the fact that it can interact with people who potentially may not be used to it, mm-hmm. it would be incredibly difficult. I'm going to I so I get frustrated because um I feel like in theater of the mind players who aren't used to it don't ask enough questions if that makes sense. Like for instance if I'm playing as Nin my my death think, mage I don't think players in general ask enough questions sure, if they're not used sure. to it and it's only made worse by theater of the mind. Well so if I'm playing as Nin mm-hmm. and let's say you're GMing and you say there's a room around the corner and I say how big is the room? I say how far away is the door? How big is the room? You have to give me an exact answer. Yes. Even if you, you have to take a while to come up with that answer, the the contract that we've established that we're going to be playing Theater of the Mind and I'm going to be playing a mm-hmm. death wizard is that I need the answers to these questions because of my abilities work. The moment you give me an exact answer, I'm fine. Yeah. And I will keep track of what's going on in that room and remind people if they go step in there yeah. <laughs> that it's not a good place to be. But um, I'm trying to think um, because – for our next play session, I have a theater of the mind thing planned and just out of necessity. And I'm trying to think, I don't think uh, our system is that difficult. The only thing I'm worried about is if somebody says, can I flank him to gain the upper hand? Now, I have to explain what the situation is and work through it in front of you, which, yeah. I, which I think is fine. But many GMs aren't comfortable doing that. Well, it it's also a situation that allows for a lot of fudging and yeah. a lot of, of course, like, or yes. And you don't like really that, know if it does. But I feel like that's is, fine. That that's... is, the whole thing is, that is fine. And I also hate it internally in my mind. Really? I despise it. I like the fact that the amount, the grid keeps you implicitly 100% honest, no matter what. Only Every, on positioning. It, yeah, but that's so huge. It's huge. And... It it stops you from making bad decisions four steps down the line in a way that I don't think theater of the mind does. True. Yeah. Um. It there there is just a, a a I think there's a great advantage to unloading that part of the play into a physical part. Oh, I I totally agree. Like, Here, here's- it, it's it's notes about the physical things happening that you just get to look at. It's great. The the where theater of the mind feels most appropriate for me as somebody who likes the grid, somebody who will always opt yeah. for the grid if possible is that if you're doing combat and it needs to be very mobile. Yes. Theater of the mind is so no much better. Go. Oh, way way easier to go. You don't have to redraw, you don't have to do all this other stuff. But oh. that's that also works for pacing cuz that gets to feel looser and a little more frantic. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Yeah, so, well, I'm just thinking for 
what in our system is the most complicated in theater of the mind? That if somebody doesn't, because you know them, you know these people. Yeah. I say these people like they're totally different than us, but they're not. These people who don't prefer playing on a grid, which I, I've, I've had great sessions not playing on a grid at all, like Ghostbusters. You know, uh, by the way, Nerdy Show, Ghostbusters Resurrection, fantastic podcast. Doug, one of the homebrew hombres, is the GM, the Ghostmaster. I don't hate Doug. That's my official stance. Yeah. Uh, Liam's actual official stance is that he adores Doug. That, that is not my official stance. That's my personal stance. Please don't confuse the two. So I think what changes the most? What becomes most difficult in our system? In Zones, the area, mind? cones. Rays, I think, are the most complicated. Ooh, you're right. Multiple hits. Mm-hmm. Are they included? I think cones are easier just because it's a broader term and you can be like, how did you get around him? Okay, cone. But ray, they're split kind of. Can I get all of them? That's the question. Can I get all of them with a ray? And can I not hit someone else? Yeah. So you need to start talking about things in terms of feet or or meters if you're... Mm -hmm. If you're continental. Yes. Continental breakfast. But rays... I'm trying to think of anything else. Like, can I get up to them? Well, let's see. They're this far away. Yes, you can. Or yes, but you'd have to double move. I feel like if the – I feel like what 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 people don't – when I speak to people who GM and prefer theater of the mind, they feel like the grid is overwhelming. I feel the exact opposite. Right, but but I think if you if you give it a second, you can understand why they feel that way. No. Okay. The the reason <laughs> the reason they feel that way is they feel that everything is locked down and they're bound to their decision and they're less flexible in the moment, which I understand. The problem is they don't realize the amount of work that the grid offloads from you. Like the moment somebody's like, "I'm moving here, I'm going to flank him, I'm going to try this." I don't have to be involved as the GM in that decision. Nope. They can just do it and I can I can approve or disapprove, but they see the things that I don't have to explain to them. But it's also just a thing where, like, when you start knowing your party, Mm -hmm. you can literally move somewhere, look across the table, and just kind of half wink at someone. And they will look at the board for a second and go, oh, no, I know what you want me to do. And no one has to say anything anymore. There's There's a point when you get in with your party where the grid and your movement on it and the fact that you can visualize it removes a lot of discussion, even discussion in the party. Sure. Of like, oh no, uh, you you arranged all these bad guys in a straight line. You arranged all of them in a straight line. There, there's a thing too where um, a lot of GMs, especially ones who are conditioned to running modules, are used to treating an area like a dungeon crawl, uh-huh. if that makes sense. They like to draw out the entire area. They like to allow the party to go into a hallway, and there's two doors clearly, and there's one at the end of the hallway. Which one do you pick? Okay, good. Now I'll start drawing what's in that room. That's totally reasonable. Here's where I'm sympathetic to both parties on this one, to, to, to GMs who like the grid and GMs who don't. Uh-huh. I feel like the GMs who have to draw out every area as though it's a dungeon crawl are wasting time. I agree. And the people who say, why don't you just theater of the mind that? I'm on their side. Yeah. <laughs> like, just just let's talk about the area, what it's like, what you see, that well, kind of thing. Well, also, I like grid combat. That's what but, I like. That's uh, what I like. Same. For. Yeah. That's what I like it for. I If we're sitting in a living room having a conversation and I go, nice tea, I don't need you to draw the living room and have my little token in there. I don't care. Well, let's, let's think about, like, the GM knows that there's combat in this building. Okay. Okay. It's three stories. 
All right. Each room potentially has combat, and if you search it a certain way, there are there's treasure mm-hmm. in the in these rooms. I understand why a GM wants to draw it because it helps them. It takes the word. The, the whole point of the grid is to take the workload off the GM moment to moment. Mm-hmm. If you say I move here, the GM doesn't have to be like, oh, if you move there, you see all these new things. He's like, yeah, you know what the room looks like. Yeah, you got a basic idea. I. I we obviously play the way that we like to play, and we don't really think about the other ways that people play too much. And that's why I kind of wanted to bring up grid versus theater of the mind for our system because I, I feel like we were concerned about the difference and making sure they worked. But because the way the momentum system works and the current powers that we use work, the only problem I'm seeing is that if you choose not to use a grid is that positioning and your movement speed is more tactically important in our system than otherwise. But as a GM, if you're comfortable kind of running those numbers, even if it's loose in your head, even if you want to fudge some stuff. Loose is fine. Consistent is like... Yeah, you ha- be consistent. consistent baseball umpire is better than, right. than a perfectly accurate than a, one. No, than a perfectly wrong one. So let's say right now all of our distances are described in the number of spaces. Mm-hmm. If you instead translate them to the number of feet or meters, a lot more work is done for you in the players' minds. Yes. I feel like theater of the mind is much harder. Every time I've done it, it's harder, but it's easier than trying to do the specific thing I'm trying to do. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. All right. Well, that's where we're going to wrap it up here. I want to thank Liam for being able to make it out. I know it's been a tight time of year. We're in the holidays now. Well, it's busy for everybody. So that's going to be it for us today. This is our design episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We're going to be having a lot more content uh, available in different mediums here soon. Keep an eye out. We'll make lots of announcements over our Twitter, which is Homebrew Ombres. That's how you can find us on the old bird app. You can find our Patreon page at patreon.com slash RPGFS. And we've got something for you at every tier on that one. So check it out. There's going to be a lot more to announce soon. You can find us on Instagram at RPGs from scratch. All one word. And we are also on Facebook at facebook.com slash RPGFS or just Google us on any of those things and you will find us. Uh, So thank you everybody for listening. And until next time, stay safe, stand watch, and get a full rest. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.